Welcome to the Raw Food Health Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Salmon, Certified Holistic Health Coach and author of You Can Afford to Be Healthy. And this podcast looks at a holistic approach to health from a multi-generational and multinational perspective of women of color. So I was asked by a Twitter follower about HIV and the raw vegan diet. And mm-hmm. she said, hi, I loved your 30-day challenge. I wondered if you knew about HIV and raw vegan diets and what they do to help with the side effects of the meds and disease. So let's talk about this. But first, I want to give some background on HIV. I never really paid too much attention to it until the Black Women's Health Imperative uh, included a whole section about it in their legislative health agenda. And according to the agenda, Black women have the highest rate of new HIV diagnosis among all women, which is about 60% um, as of 2016. And the rate of new diagnoses among Black women is 15 times the rate, 15, one five, times the rate among white women and five Mm -hmm. times the rate among Latinas. So they, yeah, they say the factors that contribute to the disparity are poverty, lack of access to health care, high rates of, um, higher rates of some sexually transmitted infections and smaller sexual networks, lack of awareness Mm -hmm. of HIV status, um, Mm -hmm. and, and stigma. Black women, um, which is probably no surprise to, to us. Black women are more likely to be infected through heterosexual transmission, which is the most common transmission route for all women overall. Right. Yeah. For women overall, not all women. It's the most common. Um, So let's talk about the diet and how it plays a role in this, right? The virus Mm -hmm. weakens the immune system, but because the body uses nutrients keep its defenses against germs, eating well can help fight off infections. It can also boost energy, uh, keep the body strong, help to avoid health complications, and ease issues brought on by HIV and the treatments. So the message is basically eat plenty of fruits and vegetables, just like for anybody else. Mm -hmm. Because fruits and vegetables are high in nutrients called antioxidants which protect the immune system. And we really all, you know, especially if you have um, HIV, but all of us really should aim to have five to nine servings of produce each day. Yeah. Are you doing it? It's pretty interesting that that you came up with that topic because we never really talk about what we were going to discuss, but I was after I came in from church, I was reading about this lady. She's 45 years old and she had multiple sclerosis and she was in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And she started eating fruits and vegetables. And she's not saying that it cure her multiple sclerosis, but she changed her diet to more of a plant-based diet. I probably can send the link to this, um, you know, or the raw food meal planner mm-hmm. um, because I share it on Facebook. So it's up there. Um, she changed her diet to a plant-based, mostly plant-based diet. She's still eating meat, but she claims it's grass-fed, quote-unquote. 
<laughs> but um, it's mostly fruits and vegetables. Our mm-hmm. diet is consists of most of fruits. And she said she's no longer in a wheelchair. Remember, multiple sclerosis is a dangerous disease of the muscle. Yeah. So she's, she's saying that she's not going to say, and I think she does research also, she's not going to say um, that, you know, people shouldn't see their doctor or whatever, but this is what works for her. So there's a possibility that fruits and vegetables or plant-based diet will help diseases. It will, it, it helps diseases. Right. Period. Yeah. Point blank. Yeah. Period. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's where, that's where nutrients live. I mean, they don't right. live in, in pharma drugs. No, no, exactly. When you talk about women, it's like we receive everything that's bad under the sun. <laughs> so, so women should protect themselves from these things. I mean, their eyes should be opened by this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, some things are unavoidable though, because when they say that most women uh, get HIV from their from heterosexual transmission, yeah, I mean that just remind me of the whole talk about black men being on the down low, right? That's part of the stigma of like within black communities on homosexuality and all the homophobia. You basically leave women at risk. You know, because in most relationships, men are not, um, what is it, faithful or they they have sex with numerous people and they're not telling you, but you're dramatically more at risk when the sexual partners are other men because within the male HIV cases, most of those are coming from homosexual people. sexual intercourse right and and with women it's coming from heterosexual so that only leads me to believe that for for black women who are majority getting it from this case is from the homophobia within the community right yeah and i'm sure i'm sure the fact that black people you know they tend to get their values from churches you know that the the church's whole idea on homophobia doesn't really help the situation though you know this is this is basically the situation we're in but if you're in a situation now where you have hiv right and Mm -hmm. and you are trying to figure out okay how should my diet be to basically deal with this diagnosis and the treatments that you probably have to go through now at this point and fruits and vegetables are the key. And the goal Mm. is to hit five to nine servings of produce each day. But I personally feel like this is basically the same protocol we should all be following. If you can't do at least five to nine, you know? This is is what I'm saying though. And on every podcast, I think I said the same thing. So I keep repeating myself. Mm -hmm. I just think that in general, in general, you see from a baby, from you start to give baby milk, you start teaching a baby you know, what a baby should, or you start to, you start to breastfeed a baby. Mm-hmm. Think of breastfeed as plant-based food or the right kind of milk. Okay. From your, your, your little growing up, you are taught how to eat. And even when you become adult, even let's, let's say you was eating junk food, because we all do, we all did. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. We weren't perfect people, but let's say you were eating junk food, but you realize that, okay, 
you notice your weight is going out of whack, your skin looks horrible, your eyes don't look right, because that's what you can tell when people don't eat well. You look in their eyes, the eyes don't look good at all. Like anything will pop out of the eye at any moment. This is something that's supposed to wake you up and say, no, something is not right. I don't like how my skin looks. I don't like how my eyes look. I don't like how I'm gaining weight. This is something that should wake up people and to tell them, okay, it's time now for me to change before I come down with any disease because, yes, you can come down with diseases by not eating the right food. Yeah. Yeah. So, and an easy, an easy way to meet the goal of five to nine servings of produce each day is to fill half your plate with fruits and vegetables at each meal. Exactly. Eat a lot of different produce to get the most vitamins and minerals. And I personally, I rotate my vegetables. Thanks to imperfect produce, they make it really easy because I get new stuff that's in season. So like right now is zucchini and cucumber and kale and um, nectarines and peaches. And, and apples are always in season, but you know, those are some of the different things that like rotate through right now. They have Romanesco, which I want to have a whole um, podcast episode on Romanesco because I'm pretty sure most people don't know about it. I was, I've seen it uh, decoratively used on dishes before, but never really thought about actually preparing it in a meal. Um, what is it called? Romanesco. Romanesque. I never heard of it before. Yes. What that country be, that comes from? That will be everyone's homework today is to, <laughs> because Romanesco's in season. So you can research it, but we're going to talk about it on the podcast. But okay, you, right. you also want to consume healthy fats in moderation. Fats provide energy. Okay. Like avocado. Correct. We don't want to demonize it. And I feel like the term moderation is not clear because people have heard that coconut oil is bad and canola oil is good, and they're all confused about food and nutrition. Okay, but I want to tell you something about coconut, though. Um, yeah. Like yeah. for people who love nuts, which I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nut junkie, that's mm. what you can call me, because I love nuts. So I buy the dry coconut, I take it out the shell, I washed it off. I cut it up in bits and pieces. And I use it as snack sometimes. It's very nice when you chew it with almond. You're mm. getting your coconut, your fresh coconut oil right there because the, the, the dry coconut mm. provides oil. You yeah. get oil from it. So you're actually getting your fresh oil by chewing the dry coconut. Mm -hmm. Just for anybody out there who don't really know, you know? Because yeah. that's, that's the one we. Yeah, that's the one with the, I normally buy that if I want fresh coconut oil. I buy it, I blend it, use the milk and boil it down and get the oil from it. I like, I go through life the hard way, Sam. I never <laughs> like anything easy and smooth because when it's too easy and smooth, I know it's not good. So I tackle it the hard way, but it works out better for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because somebody asked me, why do I need a mat to stand in my kitchen? I said, because I'm in my kitchen most of the time. And that's where I stand up because that's where I do preparation of my food. And I, I spend less time in the doctor's office. More time in the kitchen, less time in the doctor's office. Hey. <laughs> All right. Hello. <laughs> Test testimony. Testimony. Right? 
right? Yeah. And the mat you're yeah. talking about is one of those anti-fatigue mats, right? For the uh, for your legs, for your feet. because of ceramic floor. And if if it was wood floor, it wouldn't be bad. But ceramic is bad for your bones. Ceramic and concrete. Yeah. And when you talk about earth, earth balance, earth balancing. Mm-hmm. That's why it's nice for you to walk outside on the grass. But I live in New York, so you can take it from there. <laughs> and I'm in this city, so it's not much grass to walk in. Yeah. But when it when it comes back to the, the whole topic of moderation and fats, I think I think the body tells you how much of a thing to eat, right? You listen to the body and you just know. For me, I eat avocados and I know I can't handle more than one at a time without getting a stomach ache. And the same with nuts. After a certain amount of nuts, I feel pain. And that doesn't make nuts bad. It just means don't eat to the point of pain, right? So you know what those things are. But the heart healthy choices for fats include nuts, olive oil, and avocados. Right. And remember, when you talk about nuts, coconut is a nut. Correct. And, this, and, and the reason why it's been demonized in the past is because of saturated fat. And yes, not all saturated fat is, is bad. And at right. the same time, you're not going to eat coconut oil <laughs> um, or coconut butter or any of these coconut extracts um, w- with the same quantity and frequency as people are consuming meat and dairy right now in order to get the diseases that meat and dairy is causing in our society right now. So you have to really think critically about all these things. Coconut oil is not bad. Coconuts are not bad. Coconut butter is not bad. Like, you know. People often just learn how to do things in moderation. Right. uh, Yes. Because those are things that were made for us to really eat, you know. Right. As exactly. a matter of fact, talk about talk about nuts. I was um listening to a preacher preaching this morning and talking about the oh no, it wasn't a preacher, sorry, correction. I was reading one of my devotional books this morning and they speak about the almond tree. Mm. And in the, the the biblical days they used almond uh tree to make certain ornaments for the, the the churches so even the almond tree is a decor in olden days they've used that for a decor so just imagine what comes off of the tree the almond how wonderful those are you know yeah so um, you see we just don't we don't we don't we don't embrace nature and it's uh, nature that's where everything starts from you know you know i remember that reminds me when i went to poland um and I went to my mother-in-law's house. Uh-huh. She had fresh cloves all over the place as decoration on the walls. Cloves? Cloves. The same clothes you used to cook. Yeah. And, and it, um, it was so and beautifully it, done. And it was so detailed. And I'm like, dang, this must have taken a long time to do. But it was so nice, and it just brought in that earth element. You know, I could just imagine, like, you know, that gives me an idea. That's nice, though. Very yeah. nice. Yeah, you can get creative and use all these yeah. things, and then the, it just provides that natural smell. That's really embracing nature. Yeah, instead yeah. of bringing the artificial, man-made stuff that you put inside the house to make it smell right, those things are very nice. You know. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Now, one note we, not, we must mention here is the NIH, which is the National Institute of Health, uh, they say don't eat or drink raw seed sprouts such as alfalfa sprouts because of the conditions they grow in. It's easy for them to develop bacteria. So, it's little, yeah, it's a little risky for people with a compromised immune system. Oh, well, I think my immune system is very strong, but I'm going to stop eating then. Why? I like, it in, I like it in my salad, Sam. Yeah, I like it in my salad, too, and I've never had a problem. But if you have a compromised immune system, you have HIV, okay. this is something you don't want to eat. Okay, right. right? Okay, you got to get yourself back to a, a stronger place before. But if you don't have... If you don't have that issue, like I personally have never had an issue. And even when you read articles from the CDC, um, they talk about the fact that, you know, this is where a lot of foodborne illness is coming out of, you know, just because, mm-hmm. you know, they're grown differently than any other vegetable in an environment that's basically ideal for bacteria. Is growth. it from the seed though? No. Um, no. Remember, I don't know if you remember how we used to grow it at, at Ertzilin Cafe. It's sprouting, right? It's sprouting, yeah. So you have the water yeah. there and the seeds on the tray, and they're not refrigerated. Right. Um, right. But of course, in, in large commercial uh, settings, they're grown a little yeah. bit differently. Um, but you also have different things in the elements, plus just the nature of how they are. They just tend to grow bacteria and other things, you know? Okay, and- but... For, for people out there who understand and, and probably go through the same thing, too, there are certain people who body do very well on bacteria. Did you know that? People with strong immune systems? Like myself. I'm not yeah. showing off or anything. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> well, we oh, all, I mean, let's say, let's say you don't have HIV, which that was the point really for people with folks with HIV, right? But if you don't, yeah have HIV, you don't have any autoimmune disease or issues, right? Then you are considered, your immune system is pretty strong or, you know, capable of handling um, these types of foods, you know? And so you are less likely to have an issue. And there are like all fruits and vegetables have bacteria. That's just point blank, all fruits and vegetables, right? But it's just a matter of like um, with this, like with, with sprouts, you know, you can, it, it's easier to get mold. It's easier to have like all these other types of things. But the, the bacteria and fruits and vegetables, you have healthy bacteria that's very beneficial to the whole, to the whole system. So, and that's across the board for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Because they talk about bacteria and, and stuff. They had a, a um, they were saying that or the doctors were saying that the children in this country, yeah, their parents keep them so um so clean. They keep them away from dirt and everything. They don't allow them to go outside and play. They don't know. They don't mingle with nature. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the kids become very sickly. The slightest little thing touch them, they get sick. Mm-hmm. You know. So, yeah. so sometimes they need, to, that's how you build your immune system. You can't be so, you're supposed to keep yourself clean. Don't get me wrong. But you have to allow your kids to get dirty. Right. I, I remember growing up as a child, we used to play in the dirt. We used to play in the grass. We used to be outside playing. And I think that's one of the things that build your immune system. Yeah. Right. 
Not, but here too in LA, I see some people with their kids, they allow their kids to be sliding up and down the floor of the train. No, the that's different. Train. No. No. Right. No. That's yeah. a different kind of environment though. That's yes, different. this is different. I'm not talking, talking about nature. Nature. I'm not talking <laughs> yeah. concrete. I'm talking take your kid to the park where there's grass and stuff and let them be children and not, not in a train or a bus or not. No, no, no. Yeah, because that's nasty. That's just very nasty. That's just that's where nasty. they get that's where they get germs. They don't, that's not the kind of germs they need to get. Right. They need to go and play where the worms are. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which is a great segue into a question that we got in our Facebook group. She said, Hey Sam, can you tell me the best way to clean vegetables such as kale, broccoli, and spinach? I and saw that, yeah. Yeah, and um, I also want to talk about the best preparation before cooking it. Um, mm -hmm. With all of these things, I just use water. And I don't, I, though. Huh? I don't just use water. For, for greens, kale, broccoli, no, and spinach. What do you use? No. Okay, I use a little vinegar and a little salt. And sometimes I, I leave over my lemon, the skin of the lemon, mm -hmm. and I squeeze it in the water to help clean off everything. I use vinegar, salt, and lemon. Why? So for these in particular, why? Why? Because they, they, they might, they're not, you see, sometimes even the people handle these things, their hands are not clean. Mm -hmm. So I'm just washing hands off myself. <laughs> That's a great point. Yes, hands off. Because now I'm ready to go into my pot. I want your hands off. <laughs> so that's all it is doing. Yeah. Oh, I just, I just use water. And in terms of like, you know, from the perspective of um, germs being transmitted and things like that, I don't think beyond water there's anything to be um, concerned you about. You know, vinegar... Vinegar, vinegar is a very good cleanse, though, Sam. Yeah. If if you want to remove anything from the leafy vegetable, vinegar and salt is is good to do that. And it don't, don't stay. Use, the flavor don't stay in your vegetables. No, it don't take out the flavor. No. But it doesn't you, you, add you, to the flavor. No, no, it don't add anything to it because okay. what is it? You whisk within the water. You're not going to soak it. You don't soak it. The only thing that I soak in water is in that kind of water is when I'm boiling green bananas. Because when I boil the banana, I need extra iron in the water. So but the green I boil banana, it though, the green banana, um, you peel that. That's what I'm explaining to you now. You don't take off all the skin off your green banana. I usually soak them very well before I peel them because I leave half the skin on. Because mm -hmm. when you boil bananas, in order for the banana to stay whole and stay in place, it needs to be in the skin. Because when they cook and you lift them up, they'll fall apart and break up. Mm. And, then, and the second thing is, most of the iron is really in the skin. So when you boil it, it gets into the banana itself. Mm. So I, I usually soak those into the salt the vin and the vinegar. I soak them for a while and then I scrub them off because I have to boil part of the skin in there. Uh, how I'll, like, give you, I'll give you some tips on that when we are around each other. It's okay. Yeah. Just remind me. I will. Highlight, highlight, and also the Facebook group is a great place. Um, but I want to highlight that you just mentioned that green banana skin have 
natural um, bioavailable iron. Iron, yes. Great for all the folks talking about iron deficiency in the community. And you're preparing it in a way, this is a Jamaican dish. Maybe Mm -hmm. all of the West Indies eat this, I'm not sure. But Uh but, uh, it's green banana, but it's a special type of banana. It's not the same fruit. It's not the same banana. It's boiling banana. They call them for boiling, for cooking, sorry, for cooking. And it's a different yep. shape and size than what yes. we would normally yes. eat as a fruit. As ripe banana. But yeah. if you leave those banana long, they will ripen, but they will not look yellow. Mm-hmm. They will still look green, but ripe. You can mm-hmm. still eat them when they're ripe, but they're really for cooking, so you shouldn't keep them that long till they're ripe. Right. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's worth, um, first of all, if you're listening to this and you're not in the Facebook group, get in the Facebook group. There's a link in the show notes. And mom, share, you can share in the group um, how you prepare different meals with with green banana. Because one, let me tell you, that's not something I make because I have never learned how to make that. And it's it's my cultural dish, and I have never learned how to make that. And that's that's not even something I would buy out here because no one is really making that. Um, Most, if you're outside of New York City, it's very hard to find healthy Jamaican food because um, the the they don't, you know, outside of New York, the population isn't really there to have well, yeah yeah options. which is kind of strange though because they usually have jamaican stuff all over you go to you go into even any mexican place to find um because we don't we don't have things different from the mexican you know what you I'm know like, when when i touched down here in la it was um and i don't know what country they're from i can't remember now but it's some spanish-speaking country they had a cart and they were selling this thing that looked like guinea and calling it something else and i said no this is guinea this is yeah, Guinness. I even bought it and I ate it. I'm like, this is Guinness. But they had some different name for it that they were calling because it. Because they're from a different country, yeah. But it must be from the Caribbean anyway because... Yeah. We all have the same kind of stuff, but we call it different names. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So besides cleaning these foods with uh, just basic water, me personally, um, yeah. I uh, give kale special attention. I power wash my my kale uh specifically the curly kale not so much the lacinato kale but the curly kale you'll sometimes find um worms and like eggs on Uh the inside you know they like to hatch and i don't get some people get grossed out by but i'm not i mean i used to honestly i used to get grossed out by it when i the first few times i saw it but when you think about it you know these Creatures only want the food because it's healthy. They're not really running to eat McDonald's hamburgers. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> <laughs> so the only they time you'll find, food. yeah, the only creatures you'll find in the fast food stuff are maggots. But like the actual, these natural creatures, they want to raise their kids and their babies in these very healthy, clean environments. So they go to the middle of the kale. Not all not of them. Yeah, not to be a little weird, Sam, but some people eat is a eat it as a as um a, a delicatessen. Yeah, that's true. You know what the new thing is now? 
what the future is the future of food and i'll post the link it was in the docuseries by broken bread you are going to i don't know freak out they are making foods from crickets you know that's why i don't eat out (laughs) when they made on this thing cricket bread it's it looked like regular bread but it's made from crickets and i guess they just powder the crickets and make a flour out of it and use that to make the bread. And this is the future because why would you want to make bread out of crickets as opposed to the regular bread? And I think it has to do with um, their whole point was the environment. Somehow this is healthier for the environment. Oh, Lord, help us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we have too many crickets or too much water goes into regular bread production and less water will go into cricket bread production. I don't know, but that's the new thing. And so there's a lot of different food products out there now with, with, uh, with crickets in it. So. Well, you know, I, I was speaking to a friend of mine and there's so much things out there that people eat, but um, to each their own. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not really into too much changes. I like to stick to the things I know about. Yeah. Um, because I know in the biblical days, um, the Apostle Paul used to eat um, grasshoppers and things like that. Anything that, you know what I'm saying? Little, um, little things, little, little stuff. That's what they eat and they survive on it. So I'm not going to turn my nose up and so maybe there was nothing else to eat, you know? Right. But... um. Or maybe I, I, maybe they're saying it's a protein source because the the food exactly. like, environmentalists are are saying that you know the meat consumption um, and the way we do meat production um, is just moving us in a very negative direction because of and the huge right. water and usage some- and all this kinds of stuff land and all this kinds of stuff so it's pulling exactly. natural resources which is why the trend for a lot of these uh, fake meats is really Uh growing, like the Impossible Burgers and the Beyond Burgers and all that kind of stuff. That stuff is a booming industry right now. People are investing a lot of money in a lot of these different companies that are doing this type of technology. And Mm -hmm. so maybe that's, that's one of the other points to the cricket bread is that you have this bread, but it's full of protein. Um, but yeah, like I, and I don't know, like, honestly, this diet for me, just so people understand is really about the health, um, part of it. Right. It's not so much about like my, my number one priority is not getting heart disease and not getting diabetes and suffering like my grandmother did. That's the number. And second to that, of course, I care about the environment. And of course, after eating this way and um, seeing some of the things I've seen, like earthlings, for example, um, it's hard for me to eat another life form, you know? Um, Because you think, when you you put the food in your mouth, you think about the fact that this thing had eyes, had a heartbeat, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just a few moments before, and it, you know, it just has you thinking about who you are in the world, your place in the world and what dominion means, you know, especially if you have a religious background and foundation, like what does it mean, 
you know, for us as stewards of this planet to be eating other life forms, like your whole mindset. Yeah, but you have countries right now that eat cockroaches. Now that one grows males. Yeah. And cockroaches eat everything, like yeah, literally everything, which is why they've survived this long. I was wondering whose cockroaches are they eating? If it's the house cockroach or the bush cockroach, or because I've known, I've seen cockroaches in Florida. They're big till they fly. Yeah. So I don't know which one they're using, but to me, as I said, to each their own. And I don't eat out too much. And if somebody giving me something, I'm usually always full anyhow. I don't know. <laughs> or fasting. <laughs> right? One of them. But it's scary. <laughs> if you see me and you have food, I'm fasting. <laughs> um, but it's funny. It it is, and I I think like um, with with from the because I come at it from a health perspective, I want to know uh, with these crickets because I I don't really have that same connection to crickets, right? So with these crickets, you know, if you're making it into something else that is completely grain free, um, what is the health repercussions? And I don't think we've, there's been studies on that, at least none that I'm aware of. Like, what are the long-term health repercussions? Are the effects the same? Is it still acidic, which I would assume it is since this is a, a life form. It must have some kind of heartbeat since, you know, it was breathing and walking, right? Anything that moves, I don't know. I don't right? know when they have about. when they have cholesterol, it must have some kind of cholesterol, right? Uh, like well, other forms of life. <laughs> they're not going to McDonald's. Those things eat plant-based stuff, so they can't have cholesterol. But our bodies, our bodies naturally make cholesterol, and the okay, same thing with, with animal products because they naturally have cholesterol. But we are human. They're different. But animals have cholesterol. But we're talking about crickets. Correct. And I would assume because they are living, breathing creatures that they themselves too would create their own cholesterol, in which case we, if we eat that, we are consuming cholesterol from other sources. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, you know to be honest with you, we, we already have issues with the stuff we are eating now. I don't think we need to incorporate anything else in our diet more than try to, to, and I'm talking for the people out there and myself. We try to, we don't incorporate anything strange into diet. Stick to the stuff that you know and the stuff that's going to make you healthy. Yeah. That's about what we can do. This is the future of food though. So like 10, 15 years from now, this, just put a pin in this and understand that this will be talked about more. It will probably be in the grocery store shelves. And um, just because the environmental impact right now of how we're eating the standard American diet is so bad that even people who don't care about the health and well-being of animals, they don't care about necessarily heart disease and chronic disease. They are moving away from these types of foods. And so that's basically um, the point there. And so I'm very curious to find out the long-term health impacts of, of eating these insects. So what there's, you know, like pretty, pretty soon everything that move on the face of the earth, they're going to use them up. This, so in this link, you should watch the future of food. They also made some dishes from, um, 
Um, what's that thing that you could see through? Is it octopus? Well, they've oh, been jelly doing that a long Jellyfish. Jelly, no, 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 no. I don't know why I keep forgetting. I always think octopus and I never think jellyfish. No, octopus is something. They've been eating for a Yeah, very they've been eating, but they're making dishes out of jellyfish. And you should have seen the dishes that they were making from the jellyfish. It's very creative. But I would think, right. like, you know, when you get touched by a jellyfish, you could die because they have, like, these poisons, right? So you get stuck right. or whatever. But they, I don't know how they get it to a place where they could prepare it and you eat it and you don't have any adverse effects. But again, what are the long-term impacts, you know? Because they were saying, too, environmentally speaking, that uh, there's something going on in the water where there's an overpopulation of jellyfish. And right. it's creating some kind of imbalance with um, sea animals that are, is affecting um, the quality and quantity of fish for, you know, our food industry. And uh -huh. so this is, this is one way in which they feel like they could balance out, you know, these things is by incorporating jellyfish into the diet and all these different ways they could do it, which I find interesting. Uh, but like how, how, <laughs> you know, so it's something to look out for. It's, it, it's quite fascinating. Yes, it is. Pretty um, interesting, too. Yeah, with the vegetables, though, I try to eat these foods as raw as possible to get the most nutrition, which would mean yeah. kale and spinach in a smoothie or a salad and broccoli lightly steamed or sautéed so they still have a crunch to them, but they're not super hard. That's how I like them, though. I just like them barely touch the heat and... Yeah. I like them as crunchy because I, I like to sit down and eat my food in a timely way. So for me to chew, and, and again, for those who out there who like to just cook your food and make it soft and it's not good because chewing helps your jawbone. Because if you don't use your muscles, you're going to lose them. And that's an exercise for your jaw to chew. And so beyond that, beyond mm -hmm. that, I want to add that the more you chew your food, the smaller the particle, particles, the easier it is for your body to assimilate the food. Mm -hmm. And if you don't chew properly, you are at risk for um, intestinal permeability. They also call it leaky gut because the particles leaky. are so big that they can right. puncture um, the intestinal lining, encounter right. the immune system. The immune system reacts, you know, negatively, and then you end up with some kind of issue. So that's why, you know, we want to chew as much as possible, get these things as fine as possible for easier, right. better digestion. More than 1 billion plastic toothpaste tubes are thrown out each year with harsh chemical residues like sodium lauryl sulfate, triclosan, artificial dyes and preservatives that are harmful to our health. More than 100 million animals suffer and die in the U.S. every year in cruel chemical, drug, food, and cosmetic tests. Not only that, but we see so many images on social media of what plastic is doing to our oceans and our sea life. Every year, more than 50 Empire State buildings worth of toothpaste tubes end up in landfills and oceans. 
We have one planet and Byte is doing their best to make sure we can keep her happy. Join me and Byte in reducing plastic waste. Get the Byte toothpaste bit and make that your new toothpaste. This is toothpaste without plastic. They come in these little soft tablets you put in your mouth and brush with. They have mint and charcoal, which you know activated charcoal is great to clear stains off teeth. The tablets foam just like regular toothpaste, but the ingredients are very clean. The tablets are packaged in glass that you can reuse for your herbal syrups and salad dressings. And glass is completely recyclable if you don't need extra bottles around. Learn more about this innovative company and get yourself some plastic-free toothpaste. Link in the bio to get $5 off your order. There was another question. How do you eat your avocado to make it taste good? I can only mix mine in with other foods right now. How do you consume avocados, mom? Okay, I love avocado when I'm having my salad. It's the most enjoyable thing to me. Mm -hmm. I call it green up and green. That's how I enjoy it. It's nice and clean. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Oh, and another way too. Like, you know, I, I tell you I love bread and I eat bread, right? Mm-hmm. Although it's a special bread. It, it, it don't make with um, squid or what that thing name? Uh, jellyfish. <laughs> no, whatever. Oh, cricket. <laughs> no, cricket bread. But I love to mash the avocado and lay it on top of the bread. Like a bread? No, like how, you, like how people use bayonets. That's how oh, I use yeah. it. And to make my sandwich, it's the most delicious, enjoying thing. That's yeah. how I eat my avocado. Yeah. And by the way, only only eat half because I can't be bothered buying avocado for three and four dollars and then throw it in the garbage. So, so I only buy I only buy organic half. So the other I've ones never, that you used to eat, the Jamaican ones, um, they're not they're watery and no good. I I don't find no good one. My father-in-law used to send it for me from Florida. God bless his soul, he's no longer here. So I might have to go down when it's avocado season and pick them up, my, season and pick them up myself because the tree's there. And you can't grow it in New York? No, you cannot. Unless Even you inside grow it your house? Different. No, it won't be here. <laughs> it uh. needs to be outside, yeah. But I get them from Florida and they, they're very delicious. Um, I yes. need to write this down. Because I met a guy um, at the, the LA Food Policy Council Gala who is selling um, hydroponic systems, which you should be able to grow. I mean, the whole point of them, I believe, is to grow indoors. So I'd be curious to find out what he, yeah. had, you know. I, I know somebody who does that. I think she bought that system too. Um, yeah, I know somebody. Yeah. I won't yeah. call names. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Too much to bleep but, out. <laughs> um, I, would have to, I would have to remove the furniture at my house to do that. But you got a lot of, first of all, first of all, <laughs> you got a dining room. You know, there's not too many homes right now, even with that. I remember back in the day, aunt, my aunt had a sunroom and a day room. Like they don't have stuff like with the housing crisis right now, all those extra rooms is just luxury. Okay, but guess you what? You remember my children then fill up the house? Right. My plan. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's okay. what I'm saying. That whole room could be 
devoted to growing. No, but the plant is already there. <laughs> yeah. Well, for avocados, for me, I, I put it in smoothies. You could put it in raw vegan desserts. Um, you could put it in salads. You could put it in salad dressings, all with the right seasoning, because avocado don't really have a taste. When I use it, it's really for texture. Oh, that's a good point right there, though, because if, if I like it in salad, and this is for everybody out there, try it. Yeah. Just make it with your special dressing. Put blend it, um, right. blend it up in a smoothie cup because that's how I make my stuff in a smoothie yeah. cup and just pass it over your salad. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> you may want to learn something today on the podcast. Yeah, because you know what I used to like with my salads is guacamole. Yeah. And what's guacamole? It's basically avocado, onions, tomatoes, garlic, you know. So... And all you have to do with that is just Put a little bit more olive oil in that and pass it over your salad and your salad dressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stretch it out a little bit. And, and this um, is another thing that I try to tell people. Do mm-hmm. not buy salad dressing. It's a waste. Salad dressing is filled with a lot of oil that you don't want in your system. Beyond and that, they put the chemicals and... Exactly. Fillers. You make your fresh dressing every day, make your salad taste nice and fresh, you know? yeah. And that's the thing with the avocado, when you put it in a salad dressing, because when you make a salad dressing, you want it to kind of last a little bit, you know, you're not going to yeah. make too much, right? Because avocados no, oxidize right. and, and turn brown. Right. Fast. So I yeah. would add um, lime or lemon juice to it just to retain the freshness of it a little longer. But if I make avocado salad dressing, that's what I'll only do for the one time I'm going to use it. I don't want to lift it over because I don't like when things don't look attractive. I, I can't <laughs> eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Understandable. <laughs> right. Thank you so much for listening today. Please be sure to subscribe so you're notified on all our future episodes when they're released.